Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. So a couple weeks ago, we had a conference here called Shake the Ground. And it had to do with, who remembers what it had to do with? Prayer, yes. So we are going to shake the ground through prayer. So whose ground was shaken this week? <laughs> you prayed and the ground shook this week, right? Last couple weeks, things have been shaking. All right. That wasn't an overwhelming response, but hey, we'll go with that. And I would like to continue talking today about prayer. Um, I'm going to add a, another element to it today, I think. And uh, yeah, so let's, let's just start with some of those things. Um, we had some good teaching on prayer. There was a number of people ministering and talking about various aspects of prayer. And it, uh, it has been really good. Um, there was something that the Lord had been talking to me about in the middle of the week, uh, not last week, but the week before, concerning, um, I'm going to put it this way, the battle that we are in. And one of the things he was highlighting to me, in just a moment, just a flash in your heart when you're in prayer, he can reveal things to you and show you things. Yeah. Uh, he's looking to do that. But uh, often we're quite busy with our own prayer lists and things that we don't take time to be quiet long enough to hear Him. But if we would, we would definitely hear Him speaking to us and telling us what is of His heart and mind. And one of the things He was uh, sharing with me was that we don't know the battle that we're in sometimes. And I um, think, well, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, we'll get to that. And often what happens in life is that we get, uh, we get caught up with the, the, the struggle of life around us. And uh, it can, there, not to say that there isn't a struggle going on out there. I mean, just turn on the news for five minutes and you see all sorts of conflict. So it's very real in the sense that it's taking place around us. Uh, Jesus said, in this world you shall have trouble, but be of good cheer. Why? He's overcome the world. So our position in, the, in this world shouldn't be one of trouble. It shouldn't be one of distress. It shouldn't be where we are troubled because the world is troubled around us. We have a position in Christ Jesus that is far greater than the circumstances we see going on around us, good or bad. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like verses in the Bible that you've read? It is, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good. So when we go to pray, we don't want to pray based on the trouble going on around us. Wow, not even three minutes in. We're right into it. Amen. Let's do a seatbelt check there. Everyone got near seatbelts on? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I would like to stir you this morning to pray, but not pray like someone who's caught 
Do you know what I mean by that? Help me, help me. I'm in trouble. I've been caught. We don't want to pray like that. Why is this important? Because you see, um, somewhere, I mean, if you're sitting in this room, I'm going to guess that somewhere along the line, you made Jesus Lord. And in his world, there is no trouble. And if we're living in his world, guess what? We're untroubled by what goes on around us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're unfeeling or callous and don't care. It means that we're not moved by it. It doesn't move us when things go on around us. You know, that's almost impossible to do when the focus of your attention is on what's going on around you all the time. Because then you'll be moved. And there is a scheme and a strategy of the enemy to get your focus off of what really matters, which is Jesus and his plan and his kingdom, to get your focus off of that and onto what's happening around you. Look at the economy. Look how difficult it is to buy a house in this place. What are we ever going to do? Look at the interest rates are going to go up again, you know, and, and all sorts of things going on. Again, just flick on the news for five or ten minutes and you'll see. And people are getting caught all the time. Caught in the struggle going on around them. Do you realize that the enemy that we have is called the enemy for a reason? And uh, he's not a nice guy. You know, he's not, he's not a nice guy. You think that sounds pretty obvious. But do you know how many people are imprisoned in this world? And he is the slave master. And he holds them captive. And they chase their wants and desires only to find that there's nothing at the end of it. Nothing real, nothing lasting. That's the world out around us. And we don't want to be caught in that world, Amen. chasing our desires only to find out that there's nothing much to it in the end if we ever get it. And we don't want to be using the Bible to try to get those things from God to satisfy our desires. Because <laughs> then we're caught in the same trap that everybody else is. Look at that. I mean, five minutes. Already five minutes. Do you need to stand up again and shake a little bit? What's on my heart this morning to share with you is the fact that there are too many Christians that are caught in a battle that they don't realize, they don't know the battle that they're in. And they're fighting wars, small wars, that could be a small war with family, that could be a small war at work with your coworkers, that could be a, a small war at the TV about what's going on in the world and you're all excited and upset about it and ranting and raving on every avenue of social media available to you, whoever will listen, and caught in small wars, frustrated, feeling justified in your position. And we value our opinions a whole lot. Did you know God doesn't have an opinion? 
He doesn't have an opinion because his word is truth. So what do you think the value of our opinion is in the light of God's truth? Ashes. Ashes. <laughs> Nothing. So our opinion about what's going on really does not matter a whole lot. In the end. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> My opinion means a whole lot of nothing. What does matter is truth. What does matter is what God has to say. What matters is his plan. And as long as we're caught fighting opinions with other people, we are battling things that it's just shadow boxing. You're not winning anything. And unfortunately, the temptation out there is for Christians to get caught in that battle trying to stand up for what you believe in, but fighting according to the world's standards. Well, I believe this is what the Bible says, but the thing is, is that the world doesn't care what the Bible says. So why argue with someone who doesn't even believe the foundational thing that you believe? You're wasting your time arguing. And the enemy would love to get you all stirred up and wound up and pulled you into that because now you're upset. Now you're arguing. Now you're feeling justified in your opinion. And you can point to a verse in the Bible. But you've not won that person to Jesus. No change has taken place in their heart and life. They haven't seen truth yet. They've just seen you upset. Hmm. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you know what? I happen to be in 2 Corinthians. Let's just kind of turn over here. This was not not where I was planning on going, but it fits. So let's talk about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is from the Amplified. Paul is speaking to the Corinthians here. But listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. Now I myself, Paul, beseech you by the gentleness and consideration of Christ. I, who am lowly enough when among you face to face, but bold when I am absent from you. Now he's kind of poking at them a little bit. And you'll, the background here is they're basically saying, um, you know, his letters are bold, but, you know, when he's here in person, he seems to be pretty weak. And his speaking doesn't amount to much. They're looking at the man, Paul. They're not listening to the Holy Ghost. And so they're looking at him and going, well, it doesn't, he doesn't seem to be saying it. He's unimpressive. And they're, they're caught up in other so-called apostles that seem to be way more impressive, more commanding, more exuberant, more you know, exacting when it comes to the law. And so they're getting caught up in that, and Paul is addressing that in this particular chapter and a few chapters before and after. So he says, I entreat you when I do come to you that I may not, uh, he says, be driven to such boldness as I intend to show towards those few who suspect us of acting according to the flesh. Amplified adds in here, on the low level of worldly motives and as if invested with only human powers. It's an interesting way the Amplified adds some definition to that. 
So then he explains a little bit more in verse 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh. Now, he's not talking about the carnal nature. He's not talking about fleshiness. He's talking about walking in the body. So though we live in a body. We live in the flesh. You see me here. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh. And he says, and using mere human weapons. So... He's saying that, yeah, okay, we we live in the flesh. We're here in the body. But our warfare is not of a human standard, of a human way. So in the world, people get upset, right? Countries get mad at each other, and they go to war. So they're fighting with human weapons. And he says that we don't fight that way. No, people fight in other ways too, right? They hurl insults at one another, they, they, you know, they criticize. They do all sorts of things like that, right? A war of words, trying to take down the other person verbally. Again, as if their opinion matters so much. Right? So he says that we don't war that way. I think there's a good line in the sand there for us. If that's how the world is warring then we should not be. No. We're not there to try to get one over on someone else or, you know, try to assert, right, and then religiousize it by using, by quoting the Bible so that we can prove that we're right. That's not the war that we're in. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical. They're not of the flesh. But they are mighty before God or through God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch that we refute arguments and theories and reasonings in every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. And he goes on to say a few more things here. So he's saying that the warfare that we're in has to do with what people are believing. And in this particular case, some people started believing some weird stuff in the church. And so Paul was saying, well, look, you know, we don't wage war the way the world does. And so don't imagine just because I seem bold in my letter that I won't be that way when I come see you if there's a problem going on. But we're going to deal with that. Well, that's what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to deal with that. But again, he's not talking about dealing with it according to the flesh. We're going to bring it into obedience to Christ. We're going to take what is being said and measure that up to Jesus Christ. Do you know how much time you could save yourself? Getting upset with what's going on in the world, if you would simply measure it up to Jesus. Does it match this? Does it measure up to this? Is it of the character and the nature of Jesus Christ? No? Well, then it's nothing. It means nothing. It accomplishes nothing. This is what matters. Jesus' mind, his thoughts, his ways, who he is, that's what matters. And the rest does not. Really simple. Because you don't want to be caught fighting a war that you were never meant to fight. Oh, come 
and never going to win. And it's just a scheme of the enemy to keep you trapped, to keep you running in circles, exerting all your time and energy on something that will never profit at all. And meanwhile, the hearts of men are failing. And meanwhile, the lost continue to be lost and continue down a path that leads them to punishment. And meanwhile, other believers, your brothers and sisters for whom Christ died, struggle with life and were never meant to. Meanwhile, the church sits weak when it should be strong. Meanwhile, the church is not demonstrating who Jesus is to the world. They're crying about what's going on and happening to them. So, we need to know the war that we're in. And what I mean by that, it's not, again, I want to state like this, you are not trying to fight to get the victory. Jesus already did that. Now, you are fighting to hold on to the victory that he gave you. You're warring from a place of victory. The real fact of the matter is that the war has been won, but people are ignorant of it. And you are there to announce to them that the war has, is over. And they've been deceived, knowing that, it, not even realizing what's going on. And your job is to announce to them, the war is over, Jesus is Lord, you can be free. That's the war that we're in. So those are the things that really matter. Can you imagine spending all of your life occupied with the things of this life, only to realize at the end of your life that it mattered nothing? And there were souls around you the whole time that needed Jesus, that needed that love of God that was placed on the inside of you, and that was the treasure buried in the field the whole time. That's sad. That's very sad. It's very sad to know that the mighty Holy Ghost lives in a believer. The Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. The one that makes you free. And yet he can, be, he can remain imprisoned in a Christian. I wonder, sometimes the patience of the Lord is overwhelmingly awesome. I mean, he's looked down through the generations and through, through history from the very beginning and known that that would be the case. And yet, he put his son on a cross for us. Think about our Lord, our God, our great God, who knew not only would be there, there would be those who would reject his son, but those that would receive him, but walk in almost nothing of what Jesus died to give them. And live their whole life just hanging on by the skin of their teeth until they get to heaven. And he knew that would happen, and he still sent his son. And he still gave us his mighty Holy Spirit, his very own presence. This one, because he's faithful and he's good and he cares about us greatly. Now, you are not in a war on your own. Hallelujah. 
we were talking a little bit about this in discipleship class. And uh, so I was using the analogy of a, um, well, I was using myself as part of the analogy. I said, can you imagine if I enlisted in the military and I was in the army? I was in the Canadian army. And for whatever reason, after I had enlisted, gone through basic training, I enlisted and then all of a sudden there's this, there's this disagreement between, I just picked a country, it happened to be Turkey, so I'm not prophesying, I'm just using it as an example. A war between Canada and Turkey broke out. And all of a sudden I find myself on the front lines fighting this war between Canada and Turkey. And you see, as a good soldier, I am not upset when they fire their weapons at me. As if it's against me personally. Like, hey, I'm a good guy, why are you shooting your guns at me? and get offended because I'm under attack. <laughs> and be like, this is just outrageous. How can they fire weapons at me? I've done nothing to them. And I'm under assault. And be just upset at how crazy this Turkish military is. Now that sounds pretty ridiculous, coming from a soldier. Why? Because it's not about you. Right. It's about the nation that you belong to. Yes. So you're not getting personally involved in the sense of, I'm offended because they're firing their weapons at me. But let me tell you, it is also the case as a believer. Because you are in the kingdom of God. And there's an enemy out there, and he don't like you much. But it ain't about you, it's about the kingdom that's in you. So you're not under assault personally. Oh, the devil's picking on me. No, he's not. He's afraid of the greater one who is in you. And he wants to keep you blind and down and oppressed and distracted so that that kingdom never can come out of your life. Because if it comes out, it will utterly squash his kingdom. It will utterly demolish strongholds and everything around you that is evil and wicked because greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. If he can keep you from seeing that, so preoccupied with you and yourself and your life and what's going on with you and praying prayers from that place, then he can keep you on a string and puppet you around. But as soon as you realize it ain't about you anymore, it's about the kingdom of God that's in you, then suddenly you're not praying about your life. You're not praying about yourself and what's happening to you. You're praying about the purposes of God's kingdom being manifested in the earth. You know what he cares about? Your neighbor. You know what he cares about? Your brother or sister in the Lord who's struggling right now. That's what he cares about. He cares about his church being lukewarm. He cares about Christians that are backsliding into the world, getting pulled off into other things when they are the redeemed. That's what he cares about. He cares about that. He cares about people seeing Jesus shining through your eyes and your face when you look at them because you are full of God's love and you want them to see the truth of who Jesus is. That's what he cares about. He cares about those things. 
He cares about things when people walk into a church because the Father prompted them somehow. But when they go into that church, all they hear is about social programs and all these good things that we're doing. And it's just like everyone else in the world. And they don't hear any truth. And he's been drawing them. And he's got to take them from church to church to church, hoping that someone will actually share the gospel with them in the house where it's supposed to live. That's what he cares about. He cares about the family that stays in one place and struggles in life and doesn't move forward. He cares about that family. That's what he cares about. How do you know that? Well, because he put his son on a cross so that you could live. That's how you know he cares about that. The things that matter to the Lord the most are the things that go on in here, on the inside of you. Your body one day will lie down in the dirt, and you'll leave it, and you'll be like, good riddance. (laughs) Done with that thing. Because even when it's at its best, it is so not, you know, it just isn't, even at its best. When's the last time that you went from here to there without having opened a door? I mean, like, never. Jesus did when he was raised from the dead. So his body was like, this is it. This is what you want. It never gets tired. It never gets hungry. He can eat, he can eat if he wants to, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to bathe it. It's wonderful. He never has to complain he has a headache. It just doesn't get sick. It's not weak. So in comparison, you'll be happy when you lay this thing down. You're like, oh my, I'm done with this thing. On to the next, Lord. Thank you. I'm ready. I am ready for that glorified body. Now, we're still the stewards of it. We should be taking care of our bodies. We should be thanking God for them, and he can help us with it, right? And if you walk in the Spirit, you can live in a place It's almost as if you don't even have a body. You just go. So there is grace for today, nonetheless. But if you think about it, how much of the world is concerned about the things that deal with the flesh? What am I going to eat? Am I eating the best stuff? Am I eating the right stuff? Man, I'm hungry again. I shouldn't be as hungry as I am. But I am hungry. And then I saw this commercial on TV. Now I'm really hungry. And maybe I should just forget about my budget and just go out tonight and have a great meal. And then feel guilty about it in the morning. Because I read 15 articles about all these different things that I can eat. And now I'm just hungry. And now I'm talking about it in church. And now everyone's sitting here is hungry. And your stomachs are going. And you're not listening anymore because we're talking about food. And then you get eat so much, you got to take a nap because you're tired. You're in a food coma. You're not, comp- you're not, it's not going in. You just, you got to sleep. And then you threw off your sleep schedule. Then you wake up in the morning and now your body's tired again. It shouldn't be as tired, but your whole schedule's messed up. But you got a big day, so you just got to pull through. So you need that cup of coffee. 
But then the, the drive through is too slow, so you've got to go somewhere else and get a second-rate coffee from somewhere else. It just doesn't do the trick as well. And you certainly don't want that office coffee, because that stuff is horrible. <laughs> and then your whole morning is shot because of coffee and the lack thereof. But that was tied to the bad sleep that you had. That was tied to the, the nap that you took when you weren't shouldn't. But it was tied to the, the food that you ate the other day. Meanwhile, the Holy Ghost is prompting you, I need you to pray. You have a brother, you have a sister in the Lord. Who's in trouble? I need you to pray. I need you to pray. And you set aside some time to talk to me. I need you to pray for them. They can't pray for themselves. They're not in the place that they can pray for themselves. I need you to pray for them. Can you please pray for them? And then the week goes by, and then you get a phone call, and they're in trouble. And you're like, what happened? And they tell you, and they're like, okay, let's pray. But it's, by then, it's kind of like you've missed the opportunity. You could have been praying before they got into trouble. Amen. And let me ask you, which matters more? How your week went or your... What ha- the spiritual condition of your brother and your sister in the Lord. That's the one that matters the most, and that is the war that you're in, is that one. Being alert and ready to pray so that they don't have to go through things, Amen. so that they can walk in victory all along the way, Amen. right? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 for a moment. Now, a lot of people like Ephesians 6 because it's like that, you know, this last half is this spiritual warfare chapter. I'm going to burst your bubble for a moment. Most of it is not. It's about you standing in the truth of God's word. Be strong in the Lord, in verse 10, and in his mighty power, put on the whole armor of God. So we know these verses, but the armor is so that you can stand. It's not so that you can pray. Now, if you're not standing, it's hard to pray. But the armor so that you can stand and resist the plots, the schemes of the enemy. The armor is not there so that you can fight the devil. Because you and the devil in a ring, you're going to lose. You on your own, fighting the devil. How do you know that? Because thousands of years have gone by proving that. And man without God fighting the devil loses. That's That's why we needed a savior. 
So put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes and the tricks. Well, when you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you're not, and you know how to wear it, you know how to be strong in the Lord in that righteousness, in his righteousness, then you are not under condemnation. He's not eating your lunch, making you feel bad all the time that you're not living up to the standard because you know that Jesus lived up to the standard for me. And what I have, I have by grace. And I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and I'm just going to continue to be what he made me to be and then you're not you're not vulnerable to unrighteousness and so the whole armor is about that about you standing in what God has done for you through Jesus Christ and then then we get down to verse 18 and it says, pray at all times, Amplified adds in here, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. Other verses say prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance. To what end? So that you can pray. Why do you need to be alert and watching? So that you can pray. Now, there is something that happens when you sit and watch hour after hour of Netflix. You know what it is? You don't want to pray. When you're consumed with the things of life, the natural world around you, it dulls you, it numbs you, it blinds you, it puts you to sleep, spiritually speaking. When your time is occupied predominantly with natural things, then you become dull of hearing. You become sleepy spiritually. You become unaware of what God is doing. Because your flesh doesn't know God. So if you're spending all your time pampering your flesh, you're not going to know Him. Right? Makes sense? That's why the Bible tells us, wake up, wake up, wake up. Because we want to be alert. So in that example I gave you, I mean, you, you didn't eat right. Now you're too full. Now you're sleeping, take a nap. Now your whole schedule's off, and then you need coffee, but the coffee's no good. And ah, your whole week goes by like that. And meanwhile, God's saying, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. But the reason you can't hear that is because you've been taking up your time in the flesh. And it's dulled you, it's put you to sleep, because the whole time, the Lord was saying, you need to pray for your brother, you need to pray for your sister in the Lord, you need to pray. And he's been saying this, because he's faithful to, but we've gone on as if nothing's happening, because we're unaware. But we don't need to be unaware, we can be alert, watchful, awake, conscientious, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to what He is saying to us, we can be in a place where we hear His voice and we follow Him. So that even if you are taking a break and you're sitting down and watching a show, all of a sudden you get that, mm, I've I, I got to turn this off. The Lord needs, my, needs something. I can tell. You sense a draw, a pull. And you don't know what. It's just something. So you turn the TV off and you go up to your room to pray. And you just got to set it, everything else aside so you can hear what he's saying. And say, Lord, 
I, I'm not sure what you're telling me, but I, I'm just going to pray in the spirit for a little while and listen. What are we doing then? We are setting ourselves aside to pray. We're setting ourselves aside to hear what he's saying to us. We're remaining alert and watchful. And even if you don't get something immediately, but you've prayed for a good 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the spirit, and you don't really have anything in particular, but you're like, okay, well, and you can just sense in your heart, whatever it was, that was enough. Whether I understand it or not, that's okay. And you can still have faith in that place, believing he heard you. Now, you might not know, but you might get a phone call later on in the middle of the night, and then you know. And you'll be happy when you get that phone call because you've already prayed, and God already heard you. Hallelujah. And you've got an answer, praise God. Alert and watchful. So, in this verse, in the middle of it, it says, To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance. Now, to keep on in that direction, because the world is going in another different, different direction. So, you need to be persevering in this. And then what does it say? Interceding in behalf of all of the saints. I think other, other translations say supplication. Something along those lines, yes? It means making requests for others. Now, there is a place in our lives where when we pray simply for ourselves, God hears us, He loves us, He takes good care of us. But in many ways, we're limited then to what God is doing in our lives. And so if we're limited, and if you've got blind spots and you have things that you don't know, right, as far as your faith is concerned, it, it will remain a certain size. And that's only between you and God. And you can grow in your fellowship with him, and things can increase and can grow, and they, they can, but very few people pursue him on their own in spite of what's going on around them. Very few people do that. Now, we're all called to pursue him anyway, We're all called to follow him, so there is no excuse. But just if you look throughout history, you see that very few Christians actually do that on their own when no one else is doing that around them. There are some. And in spite of what's happening, in spite of the condition, spiritual condition of other believers around them, they will set aside time, they will pursue the Lord. And God works with them. But usually what happens when he works with them is they end up leading others. They end up being the ones influencing and helping other people. But can you imagine if every believer was pursuing God with all of their heart, the compound effect would be such that it would be easy to pursue God when you're in fellowship with a group of believers that are doing that. There's that synergy that takes place. Because I'm not running uphill by myself. I'm running with a pack of believers going in the same direction. The devil is very afraid of that. He's afraid of the church being of one heart and mind, one voice praising God, as the Bible says. He's afraid of that because he knows he can't stop that. But if he can isolate you and cut you off and get you off by yourself, you're no match for him. He cuts you off from the strength of the herd and puts you off by yourself. 
That's his strategy. A division. But if we can remain together and praying for one another, we circle the wagon, so to speak. You understand what I mean by that expression? We, we gather around, and it's a place where the Spirit of God can work in us and through us to provide that protection and that covering for one another. For one another, and all of us can be in that place. It's not just the job of the pastoral staff to pray for the church. It's every believer praying for one another. It's, that's your brother and your sister in the Lord. And you might have a good relationship between brothers and sisters and family. You might have that naturally, and it's a strength to you. But really, according to how the Bible puts it out there, uh, what we have in Christ is far greater than that and should be far greater than that in the way that we live. And so there should be a place of strength when I know that I've got the church praying for me. Because I can't do it on my own. I can only go so far on my own. But I'm not, not meant to be on my own, and neither are you. There's a strength when you're in a praying body. Because there's a protection there. There's a, there's a, there's a strength there. When you know that the prayers of others are going up before God and He hears that. There's an alertness and awareness that comes where you're just going throughout your day and all of a sudden someone's name comes to you or their face comes before you and you're washing the dishes. And you're thinking about stuff and all of a sudden your mind just goes to this person. And then you're thinking about this person. And then you're thinking, why am I thinking about this person? (laughs) And then you go, oh, wait a minute. If you've been staying on track, if you've been in fellowship with God, you'll clue in and you'll go, I should pray. I should pray for this person because the Lord's bringing them to my heart, to my mind. And Lord, and you can pray with what you understand. There might be something you understand about their situation. There might not be. You can pray with your understanding. Like there are verses that you can pray, praying for the eyes of their heart to be enlightened. Hallelujah. So they know the hope of their calling. So they know the inheritance that they have in Christ. They know the power of God that is there for them who believe. You can pray. That for them. Man, as you're praying, something else might come out. Lord, I just get this impression that they're having a, there's a work situation they're dealing with right now. And it's going to cause them to compromise their conscience unless they stay true to what you're telling them in their heart. So, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that that conscience would be loud and strong in their heart. And they would hear your voice. And they would not be tempted in any way to, to lie or to, to compromise. But they would stand strong in the faith. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give them that strength. And they would know it. And you just pray. However you pray. Out of your heart. There are many things you can do that way. And you might not know the result. You might not know what happens. They might not tell you. But it is definitely uh, an awesome and encouraging thing when you run into them at church the following Sunday and you get to talk and they're like, yeah, I had this situation come up at work. And it was real tough. I, just, I wasn't really sure what I, but I knew in my heart what was right. And I just decided to stick with it and, and do what was right, even though I knew there would be some fallout from that. But I'm sure glad I obeyed God. And you get to hear their testimony. Those things matter a whole lot. Because that 
is that person's relationship between them and God Almighty. When they stand before Jesus on the last day, that's going to count. And you get to be a part of that because you were watchful and alert and you were praying for them when they didn't know it. As believers, we're meant to be knit together in this way. When we're praying for one another. You know, we create this bulwark of prayer that the enemy can't get in and separate us out. Because we're alert to what God is doing in our midst. Hallelujah. There are many things. I heard, I heard a, a minister that I respect say something along these lines. He was teaching on prayer and intercession. And he was essentially saying, you know, there are things. And he was speaking in, about healings specifically, people getting healed. Now, this is a man of faith that I'm referring to. It's a man who's God, who God has used to heal many, many people. And yet he was also saying that there is a place where if we are not as a church praying and interceding for one another, that even when it comes to things like getting healing, that God will not be able to bring it about because the church is not praying. It was a very interesting statement, exactly. There's a place where we're, we're in a way, we're responsible for one another. We have a responsibility to one another. And so what the Lord was communicating to this minister was that there are many things that he would like to do, and he's made many ways available for his grace and his power to be ministered to individual people. Through, through ministries, through your standing on the word for yourself. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that God can get his power to you. But you see, there's a place where we don't enter into a whole lot of the greater things. Or there are things that we just don't see take place or happen because as a body, we haven't been praying. And usually it's because we haven't been praying as much because we've been, something happens we get along the way. Maybe at first when you get born again, you pray a lot for other people. And then somewhere along the way, things happen in life. And you get a little bit distracted. Then this happens and you're praying about this situation in your life. And next thing you know, your prayer life is consumed with what's happening with you. And you've forgotten about what happens to someone else unless it's a prayer request of some kind that comes in. But you see, there's a place where we don't need, uh, prayer requests are great, please send them in, I'm not saying not. But we can operate in the spirit in a way where we can hear about what's going on regardless of whether there's prayer requests coming in. Because we're sensitive to what God is doing in the lives of our fellow believers. And in that place, God can do a whole lot more in our midst. And we don't have to rely on a special service or on a special anointing on this traveling minister. Well, I can't wait for that minister to come into town because they really got a healing anointing, and I'm going to get in line and get my healing. And there's nothing wrong with that because God has made it that way, but that's not the only way. What about I just, you know, I called my brothers and sisters in the church, and they prayed, and God healed me. What about that? What about that place? You know what? That's the greater place. 
Because God doesn't want one hot shot, one person elevated above the other. He didn't make it that way so that one stands above the other. And human beings have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to elevate some. Well, God's really moving in their life. Let's go and get under their ministry and then I'll be blessed. Because we have a tendency to elevate one another. But that's not God's intention at all. He loves his people. He'll use those who are available. But his intention is that the whole body walks and lives in what it is that he has for us. The whole body, not just one or two. The whole body. There are gifts of the Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it talks about those who have workings of miracles, gifts of healings. He's not talking about ministers. He's talking about believers. That God operates through with miracles of healing, uh, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. That's brother and sister so-and-so. That's not a minister that comes to your church, that sits in the middle of the church and worships God. And then God puts it on our heart to pray for the sick in the church, and the sick get healed with miraculous things. Not because we had a service at the front and ministered healing. God can do that, and he does do that. Not because for other reasons, but simply because individuals can be in touch with God in such a way that he can move that way through any of us. His purpose is to elevate the body to be like the head. That's his purpose. He wants the body lifted up just as Jesus has been lifted up. Not one or two people. Prayer opens the door for those things to take place in our midst. Let's look at one other verse here. James chapter 5. And again, I like how the Amplified puts this. It says this in verse 16. So James 5, 16. I want to read the last half of the verse. Actually, let's look at the, the first part of 16. We know 15 really well and 14. Let's look at 16. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults. And here it says, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. Confess your faults to, no, to, to one another. And pray for one another. Why? That you may be healed and restored. Pray for... See, this is different than verse 14. Verse 14 says, Is anyone among you sick? He should call, el- the, call in the church elders, and they should pray over him. And, and it's, it's, if you read how this whole thing is going, he's talking about if anyone is sick at home, call the elders to their home, because they're sick at home. But this is not the same thing as verse 16. This is one another in the church praying for one another that you may be healed. Hallelujah. I had a situation a few years back where uh, at the time I I had just been restored back to God. And so I was still very tender. I say tender because it was like when you're a little kid and you get a spanking because you've been bad, and then you're tender after that, repentant, <laughs> sorry, 
and tender. And I had been off in the world and got a spanking. And I came back because God brought me back. And I was tender. I was, God, I'm just glad I'm saved. I'm just, I, I don't want to, I'm just happy that you saved me. Thank you. Tender. Not presumptuous. Not anything else. So when it came to faith and prayer and that kind of thing, I was also kind of like, well, I was just going to be obedient. I wasn't trying to exert faith and oh, I'm going to be a man of faith. I was not. I was simply just going to be obedient, humble and obedient. Because I tried a bunch of other stuff on my own that did not work well for me. I'm just going to be humble and obedient, and God will take care of me. And he has. So I was at church one day, and this, this uh, young man was talking to me about, uh, we were just chatting in the foyer, and he said something about his toe. Oh, i got to go to the doctor. I've got to get some surgery on this, uh, I have this really bad hangnail. Hangnail. Bad enough to get surgery. So it must have been hurting him, right? And I'm listening to him, and I go, oh, that's nice. Well, okay. And all of a sudden, the Lord snuck up on me and said, hey, why don't you pray for him? As if that was a new idea. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe I should pray for him. And at first, I didn't want to. I was, I don't want to have to try to have faith, and I don't want to have to, what if this, and what if that, and I don't know, what I, do, I can't think of what I need to pray right now, and I don't know what... That all in like 15 seconds. All of my, I don't know if I'm going to pray the right way. I don't know if I'm really in faith for that right now. Uh, you know, all those thoughts going through my head. It didn't seem to bother the Lord at all. <laughs> he didn't seem to be moved by that. And so my conscience, even though I was like almost done talking with him, going to turn, I literally was turning away. I hadn't done it yet. Conversation was over. I was starting to turn away, and I realized that conscience is still there telling me to pray for him. And I stopped. I turned around. I yielded. I said, oh, in my heart, okay, I'll just pray. And I said, hey, listen, do you mind if I just quickly pray for you? He's like, okay, sure. We're in church. I mean, hey, it's pretty easy, right? <laughs> Harder through a drive through or, in, you know. So he's like, yeah, okay, sure. So I just put my hand on his shoulder and said, Lord, I just I thank you for giving us healing through... I don't even remember what I said. And it was probably not right. I probably fumbled the ball there as far as my expert praying was concerned. <laughs> but I was sincere and I was being obedient. Amen. And that's it. And he said, thanks. And I said, no problem. And that was the end of our conversation. And I didn't think anything more of it. Until a couple weeks later when he came back and said, hey, you know what happened? I went to the doctor, and he had a look at my toe, and he says, oh, it's completely healed. You don't need to go have surgery. Amen. And I went, wow. Because <laughs> I was a mighty man of faith and power. <laughs> the Lord would like to do many, many more things like that. Many, many more things like that. And if we're praying for one another, if we're spending time with the Lord in prayer, then we'll be sensitive to hear Him, to recognize how He's leading us in those areas, to pray for one another, so that we can see God do miraculous things like that. It's a hangnail, but hey, God healed it. 
big or small. He doesn't care if it's a hangnail or cancer. It doesn't make any difference to him. His healing power is the same. He's not, he doesn't have to roll up his sleeves for cancer. He goes, oh, this one's tough. It's not tough to him. So why does our faith make any difference either then? If it's the same God who's answering, the same power, what difference does a to- cancer make compared to a toenail? It makes no difference to God. And he's the one we're asking to do something. So it should be an easy request then. And with the pressure comes off, you don't have to be all concerned about being in faith. Just be obedient. So there's a place for us to be in prayer or be sensitive so that we can hear God talking to us in, as we go about life. And these are the things that matter. If we stay in this track, in this place, we stay hooked up to what God is doing in the earth. We stay hooked up to the kingdom of God. We stay in the place where he can work through us and do things around us. And those are the things that really matter. It'll keep us from being caught up in what's going on in the world and end up fighting wars that don't belong to us anyway, that are just schemes of the enemy to get you occupied so that you're not doing what God wants you to do. But we don't have to be in that place. And every single believer has that privilege and that honor to take some time, set it aside, and just start talking to Him. Start talking to your Heavenly Father and allowing Him to begin to impress on your heart people to pray for, your brothers and your sisters. I don't know about you, but I want to see God move in our midst. But you know what? My motive for that's changed over the years. It used to be I want to see God move in our midst because it'd be so awesome to see miracles and power in operation and see God's people caught up in the Spirit of God, worshiping Him, and it, because it's awesome to see that. I want to see that. But you know what's better? I want to see people getting free that have been bound because I care about them. That's better. I want to see the lost their eyes open and they realize Jesus is Lord. This is real. And they come to a place of faith and they, they have that joy on their face when they realize this is real. God did something in me. I'm different. You can't, you can't replace that with anything else. You can't substitute that. I want to see that for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, particularly, I I don't like seeing people struggle with illness for long periods of time. It bothers me because it shouldn't be that way. Illness shouldn't be that way anyways. We should be healed completely all the time. We should be. But I particularly don't like to see people struggling with things for long periods of time. And that's me. But you, there, there are others in our midst that you pray and then you'll begin to have this heart in you. And we're all individual in one way, but we're all part of the same body in another. And God will work and operate through you. You might be one that it, you pray, and it, it's just praying for the sick. Every time you go to pray, your heart just goes out to people who are suffering with illness. And you just have to pray for them, because that's what God is doing in your heart. Yeah. It might be the lost. It might be every time you go to pray, you can't think about anything except, i got to pray for the lost, man. And it might be them. You might be someone, you got to pray for your brothers and sisters. You're concerned about their spiritual condition. You want them to do well. You might, it might be families that you're praying for. It could be a number of things. It could be nations that you're praying for. It could be many things. 
But until we take the time to pray and seek the face of our God, those things won't grow and develop in us the way that he intends for them to do so. But we can. Hallelujah. Amen? Yes, we can. Let's read this last little bit of a verse here, and then we'll close. It says this. After confess your faults to one another, pray also for one another that you may be healed. The earnest, and then this word means heartfelt, continued. Sounds like perseverance. Heartfelt prayer. Not just, I went through my list, checked it all off, we're good, I've done my duty, I've prayed, thank you very much. No, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. And it goes on to talk about Elijah. He's just like us, but he prayed and God did miraculous things. In the same way, it's our heartfelt prayer. One that you really, it's not just your, oh, it's, on, it's Thursday, I got to go to prayer and pray. Well, stay home then, because you're not doing anybody any good. If you're doing that out of religious duty, God's not looking at that going, okay, I'll give you a pass because at least you prayed. He's looking for heartfelt prayer. He's looking for a real prayer, right? He's not obliged to answer your prayer because you said it the right way. He answers heartfelt prayer. He's not concerned about you getting it all right. He's concerned about the condition of your heart. That's what he's looking for. And our heartfelt, continued prayer for one another, for the lost, for the things that matter to Jesus. Those things are are what come to pass and get accomplished in our lives and in the lives of others around us. It makes much power available. God wants to move in our midst in power. He wants to move in your life in power. Hallelujah. And your heartfelt and earnest prayer is what makes much power available. So it's ready, it is there, and all you have to do is step out into it, praise God. That's for every believer. Now, the subject is, uh, is a dear one to my heart, close to my heart. And so I don't know where the door is. I'm sorry. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I just have to shut it off because it just keeps flowing. Yeah, you can come up for a little bit. Amen. That's it. I'm done. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we pray together? Let's pray for one another, but let's pray together. And um, I would like to hear from the congregation. Uh, Let's take 15 minutes at the most. We can do 5 or 10, that's great. But I would like to hear prayer from the congregation. So we'll start in prayer. Everyone pray. I'll open the, the time of prayer. And then if you have something on your heart to pray, Pray it out loud so others around you can hear. And we'll agree with you together. We are His body. He hears us when we pray. Let's stand to our feet to do that. Let's honor Him by standing.
Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Father, I thank you that your ear is open to us. I thank you that you are inviting us to pray and ask for things to be done in the earth, for you to do things in our lives and in the lives of those who are around us. Father, I thank you that we don't have to to beg when you have already given us your yes. Lord, help us to see how important lives are to you. How important your body is to you, Lord. Help us to see that. Help us to be alert to your spirit, your voice in our heart. Help us to recognize you so that we can hear what you're saying and pray and ask. Father, so that we can hear you just saying, I'm looking for someone to pray. I need to do something in the earth. I'm looking for someone to ask me. I'm looking for someone to ask me so I can do mighty things in the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we pray for our brothers and our sisters. Jesus, they are precious to you. Jesus, this is your body. It is precious to you. These are lives that you've paid for with your own life. They're important to you, Lord. We pray for our brothers and sisters right now. We pray that no matter where that they are at in their walk with you, that they would know you in a greater way. That they would become more conscious and aware of your love for them. And how you guide and direct their lives. They would know your goodness. And how you are their security. You are the one that envelops them and protects them. We pray Lord that they would hear your call. And recognize your voice. And know that you've called them to a great and wonderful life in Jesus Christ. Thank you Lord. Father, we pray that no matter what it is that they're facing today, challenges of any kind, that they have victory because, Jesus, you live within them. They have the victory already. You want it for us, Jesus. You want it for us. We are victorious because we belong to you. We are victorious because we belong to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We pray that every one of our brothers and sisters would know your will for their lives. With clarity, with sharpness, they would know this is the will of God for me. And I will walk in it, praise God. And nothing will keep me from it in Jesus' name. That is what we pray, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. 
you can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W 3B1.